You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Futinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd in 10 podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky, joined by my co-host, as always, my brother, Kevin Fertinsky. You can check us out on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app. You can also listen to us on their website, a Worldwide Sports Radio Network Check us out day or two after this episode is live this evening. It will be available on all places you get podcasts. Just search Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts. What a week. The Bills keep chugging along. I mean, these wins are not clean. They certainly did not have a clean win against the New York Jets, winning 20-12. to But they pull out the win, and they prove to us once again that they can battle and grind in a tight, tough, defensive battle. Because that's what this game really was. I want to at least note right now, right off the bat, the Bills' defensive line looked fantastic. They didn't miss a beat without Vaughn Miller, and that is a big Big storyline coming out of the game. I would argue the biggest storyline coming in was the concerns of how would this defensive line play against a team like the Jets without Von Miller. And they answered the bell. Boy, oh boy, did they answer the bell. Gregory Rousseau, huge game. He has two sacks. Shaq Lawson gets a sack. Epineza gets a sack. I think Rousseau forced a fumble. Or he forced a fumble as well. DeMar Hamlin forcing a fumble, punching it out. Matt Milano recovering it, as always. Milano was everywhere. The Bills look good. The Bills defense looked very good. The Bills offense, completely different story. They definitely didn't look perfect. I thought Josh Allen looked very good, actually. I don't think his stats look so good, although he didn't turn the ball over. But most of that is due to drop passes. And that, to me, is the other storyline on the other side of the ball that comes out from that game. And that is our receivers are not very good. We have Stefan Diggs. End of story. There isn't a whole lot else going on. I'm not loving what Isaiah McKenzie's bringing to the table right now with his drop passes, inconsistencies. This has been going on the entire season. Dawson Knox did have a big game, but he still had his typical drop where he's wide open. So there still begs the question of whether he's actually reliable and can he be trusted in the playoffs. You have Gabe Davis, who I don't believe had a drop pass, but 
he just doesn't look very good. He doesn't look particularly electric. Shakir, again, not really getting involved in the offense, not really doing a whole lot. And Diggs, as always, when he's being given his opportunities, the guy just is pure, pure perfection, really, is, is the way to put it. The run game, not so good. The Jets do have a good defensive line, but again, the Buffalo Bills run game continues to be a problem. Devin Singletary did break, I think it was one 18-yard run, but outside of that, not a whole lot. He was getting bottled up. James Cook was getting bottled up. Devin Singletary dropped a ball. I actually think Gabe Davis, if I'm not mistaken, is leading the league in drop passes this year. I think he has six. That's pretty pathetic, considering how few targets he actually gets. It's one thing if you had a lot of drops, but you were getting targeted a lot. It's another thing when you're not being targeted a whole lot and you're dropping the ball when you finally are being targeted. McKenzie might be leading the league now. I think he had three drops yesterday, which was tough to watch, honestly. And one of them probably could have sealed the game in the red zone. A simple pass bounces off his chest. I mean, there's just no excuse for that. Talk about sealing the game. Dawson Knox drops the ball. Would have sealed the game with, what, a minute 10, a minute 20 left in the game? Wide open. No one within 20 yards of the guy. And he, like, trips over himself and drops the ball. So it, it's very hard. It, Dawson Knox is, is kind of an enigma. I, I don't really understand how to understand him because he makes some incredible plays. Like, truly incredible plays. His touchdown was unbelievable. And you watch that and you go, wow, this guy could be something special. But then he goes and drops an easy pass and you go, huh. I'm, I'm just sort of scratching my head going, well, is he good? Like, I, I don't know, Kev. It, is Dawson Knox legitimate? That, that's the first thing we need, to, we need to discuss here. Tough to answer that question because... You know, we've seen him now for four years, and he's had one good season and three, I would have to say, poor seasons, just littered with drops. It's hard because you want to root for the guy. He seems like a really good guy. He's a team player. He obviously has gone through a rough year, um, you know, with the passing of his brother, and he's coming off such a great season last year. And then he comes into this season and he's regressed back to exactly what he was two years ago, which is disappearing for games at a time. When he does get targets, he drops the ball. And last year he had a great season. He had a breakout season where he was catching everything it seemed the drops were behind him. He was one of the leaders in touchdowns for tight ends last season. And, you know, the Bills signed him to a big contract, a big four-year extension, where, you know, you're paying him as a top tight end in the league. So it's really tough. You're hoping that he's going to now get it together the rest of this season stop with his nonsense drops and be that elite tight end from last season. 
You just don't know if that's going to happen. You know, I tend to think it isn't just because we've just seen too many mistakes from him. I'd like to see him be the tight end he was last year. I just don't, I just don't see it happening. So obviously the Bills take on the Jets or they, they beat the Jets 20 to 12. They got a big game coming up prime time Saturday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time against the Miami Dolphins. It is at home which is really going to help us. I think the Dolphins took advantage of us the last time with all their Michigas rules, with the not providing fans, no mist and no shade. We had multiple guys in IVs. We had one who almost had a heat stroke. It was a disaster. That obviously will not happen in Buffalo this time around, although if it's super cold, according to the NFL rules, we have to provide heaters, but if you're out in the heat, they don't have to provide fans. Not exactly sure how that boils down. Um, literally <laughs> boils down. But I want to move on here to our stock up, stock down. We got a bunch of things to talk about here. Some other things to unpack. Let's start with stock up. Stock up, Tremaine Edmonds. I think we gave this to him last week as well. This defense is just a different defense with him running it. Whether we want to accept that he's good, not great, terrible, whatever you want to say, the Bills' defense is not very good without Tremaine Edmonds, and they're pretty damn good with him. So he's doing something right. I do think he's looked a lot better this season. I do still have concerns about him. I don't think he's a great middle linebacker I think he's probably about an average middle linebacker just below average because of his instincts his instincts but I do think that he's getting better at picking up on plays he's getting better at tackling and not watching not waiting for guys to come to him he's actually starting to attack so I'm starting to see some progression with him He's still a really young player. I, I do think he still has a ways to go. I just don't know if it's going to be with the Buffalo Bills or not. But for now, he looks really solid. Him and, and Milano are a really nice tandem. And got to be pleased with them. Got to be pleased with the defense for the most part. Gregory Rousseau, obviously already mentioned him. Two sacks. Also had the strip sack. He looked really good. He looked dynamite. He was going all out, all game. He's definitely filling Von Miller's shoes so far. You got Matt Milano. He's got the big hits, big tackles. He's got the fumble recovery, which I mentioned earlier. And then DeMar Hamlin with also a nice strip, forcing a fumble. He had some nice big tackles. He still had his typical missed tackles, but he does look like what I said the other week, which is there is potential. He's definitely not there. I certainly don't trust him fully. But he's all we have, and he's probably the best option that we have when you look at the other options, which are basically nothing, because you have Jaquan Johnson, who's looked atrocious. Dean Marlowe, who's not good in practice because they're refusing to play him. And it's not like Hamlin's been a stud, but he's looked okay. Stock down, some interesting ones. Devin Singletary. I'm going to give him a stock down. I don't think he looked very good this week. I think he struggled in the run game. He had a terrible drop in the pass game that stalled one of our drives. So definitely a, a stock down for him. 
again, the, the biggest issue with him is consistency. And it's kind of the same story as last season. He came on late in the season for the last four or five games, but the rest of the season, he looked terrible. So I don't know what it is with him. I don't know. I think he's probably just not that good of a running back. And sometimes he's going to have good games. Sometimes it's not going to work. He can't really be trusted. I feel like I keep repeating it, but we have a lot of guys on this Bills team that cannot be trusted at this point, which is kind of scary going into week 15, but it is what it is. I mean, we have a great record, so it's kind of hard to complain. We're 10-3. and three. We're leading the AFC. It's just things aren't necessarily perfect. And a couple more stock downs. You already mentioned this, Kev. Isaiah McKenzie had a terrible game. Dropped the ball three times. Pretty much on all three occasions, he should have caught the ball, and he didn't. Once again, can't trust him. Don't think he's very good. Not reliable. He's also not even a returner anymore, which is, I think, what a lot of us thought he would also be this year. Of course, that never happened. Naeem Hines does look very good in the return position. Deion Dawkins, I thought he struggled. He had a bunch of penalties. He didn't look very good. I think he's still, you know, he's coming back from multiple injuries. He had an illness. He, he's had a bit of a tough season. It's not all entirely his fault. It, it's kind of hard to get into a rhythm when you're missing a lot of time, but he didn't look particularly good. And then the final guy. We always got to talk about him. Kev, I don't even need to say his name. Who am I talking about? Yeah, I don't even want to talk about Dean Jackson anymore. I really don't want to see him in the lineup. That's all I really have to say about it. I mean, put Kyir Elam in. Give him a chance. We need someone else going into the playoffs. We need Dane Jackson out of the lineup. So wh whether they want to put in Dane Jack, where they want to put in Xavier Rhodes, Kyir Elam, they have to try something else. It's not working. But I do want to go back to something you did say on the stock up. So Tremaine Edmonds, we talked about him a lot. We didn't think he was very good. When he's been in the lineup, We've been a different defense this season. I didn't think I would ever say this, but I actually think Tremaine Edmonds is a good player. You know, I finally think he's developing into what they thought he would be. And they're going to have a really interesting decision to make at the end of the season. Because what if you could only sign one of Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer? I didn't think I would ever say this. But I actually think it's Tremaine Edmonds we need to sign. It's a bit of a crazy thing to say. But Jordan Poyer is going to be 32 entering next season. I don't know how much there is left in the tank for Jordan Poyer. Tremaine Edmonds is entering his prime at 25 years of age. Does this Bills defense need Tremaine Edmonds going forward more than they need Jordan Poyer. It's an interesting take. I talked about this quite a few weeks ago that I love Jordan Poyer, but he's aging and he's had a lot of injuries. He has been riddled. Like the last two, I mean, we've seen progressively the injuries are coming up more often and they're also lingering for a lot longer. And I did talk about that. The question becomes, I mean, look, I think this Bills defense without Tremaine Edmonds is not particularly good, but they can win games and they're not horrible. 
without Jordan Poyer, this defense is awful. And, and, and I should preface that by saying that's also with Micah Hyde out. When Micah Hyde is not playing and Jordan Poyer is not playing, our defense is atrocious. I'm not convinced that we can win without Jordan Poyer and Hyde, but we'll talk specifically about Poyer. I don't know if our defense can win without him. I do think our defense can win without Tremaine Edmonds. However, on the flip side, there's exactly what you said. Tremaine Edmonds, he might not be great. He could be a great linebacker. He's certainly moving in that direction. Only 25. You know you're going to get a lot more of prime Tremaine Adams. Like we're talking at least four more years. Poyer is already not as good as he once was. He's still a very good player, but he's not as good as he was. So the que- I think the question is, do you want one more year of Poyer or do you want four more years of Edmonds. Honestly, I think I'm more comfortable paying Tremaine Edmonds simply for the fact of injury concerns and the amount you're going to have to give to sign either of these guys. It's tough. Like Edmonds to me, if you can sign him to a deal where he's only getting three years guaranteed, I'm pretty comfortable signing him. The thing with Poyer is he's going to ask for a lot of money. This is his last contract. You're taking a risk that you're going to get almost nothing from him. Honestly, he could end up getting hurt next season and you get absolutely nothing. And he's done. I don't think I'd be willing to give Poyer that contract. If I'm being totally honest, if he's willing to sign a two-year deal, then yeah, for sure. But if he's looking for like a three, four year deal in the range of 60, maybe 80 million over 15 plus million over three years and, and, you know, 30 plus guaranteed, I don't think you can give him that. I think the risk is just too great. Maybe you don't sign either of them. You know, maybe you find someone outside the organization that you think can play um, for less money. Um, and, and give you similar value. Like maybe you can find the next Jordan Poyer because we did basically sign him for a very low amount off a team that undervalued him. So maybe you can find the next guy that you can get for cheaper. I just, I don't think I would pay Jordan Poyer 15 million a season. And I think Poyer would expect that. I do. I think he expects a big contract he's 32 i think he thinks he can play for four more years so he wants like a 60 plus million dollar deal and i agree i don't think you can give him that deal and it's funny i actually think tremaine Edmonds would sign for less than poyer he knows that he hasn't maybe come into the league and dominated the way he expected i think other teams like him there's no question he gets a lot of media attention Just look at the stats. His stats do not jump off the page. He does get a lot of tackles, which is what sort of catapulted him into the Pro Bowl, I think, two times. Very surprising. He did not deserve to be in the Pro Bowl in either time. But Tremaine Edmonds, I think, would probably sign for less. And I also think he would be more willing to sign a shorter deal, almost like a prove-it deal, if if he felt like maybe the market wasn't going to give him four, five, six years. Because that's probably what you're hoping when you're coming out of your 
that you know fifth year option kind of deal so i think it's certainly possible to get him on like a two-year deal where you're still paying him significant money but you might only pay him like 12 or 13 million dollars for two years so it's you know you're talking about like 25 million 26 million for two years i think that's actually more likely i don't see poyer signing for less than three or four years and i don't see him signing for less than 14 15 million so i think you're gonna pay Poyer more because of what he's done versus what he can do. And you're going to pay Tremaine less because of what he's done and because of what he can do. So I think in this scenario, it's crazy. Like I, I can't believe I'm going to agree, but based on the age and the, the, the cap space, we know is a problem for the bills. If they're keeping either of them, I think they're keeping Edmonds just because of his potential in terms of his age and because I think we could actually lock him in for less money, less guarantees as well. I don't know off the top of my head, but I wouldn't be shocked if safeties generally get paid more than linebackers. Linebackers are often um, one of the cheaper defensive positions. So again, I think that would be uh, a nice savings. I do want to glaze back over to the cornerback scenario because... Maybe we don't sign Edmonds or Poyer because we need to sign a new cornerback because they hate Kyrie Elam. I don't understand. Buffalo Fanatics put out a piece, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, and they're basically saying, who did Kyrie Elam upset? Who did he do wrong? Like, who did he, did he do someone dirty? I, I don't understand. The guy literally was a healthy scratch last week. Xavier Rhodes plays. Fine. Their explanation was they needed a veteran. They were going to play more zone. Rhodes doesn't have great speed, so he can play the zone. Fine against New England. No problem. Then they activate Kyrie Elam. They make Rhodes a healthy scratch. And yet, Dane Jackson plays 100% of the snaps. Kyrie Elam, our first round pick, the guy who the expectation was would be playing beside Tredavious White and who, by the way, has looked okay. He hasn't looked great, but he's looked okay. He certainly looks NFL quality, NFL ready. Did not play one single snap against the Jets. And yet, th this is the best part. Dane Jackson looked horrendous. I don't even think I have a word to explain how awful he looked. He looked horrendous again. He's looked again for about eight weeks. He's looked so bad for so long this is not something new kev i think you had a point there our draft class so far this season has been extremely disappointing whether it be they're just not willing to play them or they're not living up to expectations but we have got very little from our draft class james cook has started to finally get some snaps but outside of him kair elim has been benched for the better part of a month. And then you have Terrell Bernard played one game as a starter, looked absolutely horrendous and actually was the reason why a punt was blocked yesterday when he blew his assignment. So, I mean, you're getting almost zero protection from our draft class. Khalil Shakir, you mentioned earlier, get nothing there. We're getting virtually nothing from our draft class. Very disappointing. Thank God our draft class last year was amazing. It's turned out to be really good. Boogie Basham looks good. Greg Rousseau looks amazing. Epinesa from the prior year looks good. 
there's a lot of guys that have panned out for the most part. Spencer Brown this year, not so good. Last year, he did have a good season. But it's true. Our draft class this year has been god-awful. This is one of the worst draft classes I can remember in quite some time. The only shining light, maybe, was Isaiah Hodgins. He is doing some damage in New York. You better believe that as soon as Brian Dayball saw him available, he snatched him up. Gabe Davis is not who we thought. And Khalil Shakir, hard to say right now. Isaiah McKenzie, definitely not what we thought. I think we're really missing a guy like Hodgins. We're missing that big receiver that's got pretty good hands and that's pretty physical. We don't have that. It's unfortunate. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. But I would say that was a big mistake. Um, I will say the one other shining star, although he's on IR, Christian Benford, I think, has been a surprise. I think he's looked better than anyone uh, expected, obviously being a late-round draft pick. Maybe there's still potential there, but they really don't like Elam for whatever reason. I don't know if it's an attitude thing. Maybe it's off-field issues. Because what we've seen on field is good enough to at least be in some sort of share situation with Dane Jackson. He should not be benched. I want to note something Sal Capaccio put out, and then we'll jump quickly. We'll spend a few minutes on the upcoming matchup. But after 13 games, the Bills last year to this year, okay? Points four, 353, and our points four this year are 363. So our offense is actually putting up more points. Points against, 229 versus 221. So we've given up less points than we did last year at this time. Very comparable stats, though. We were 7-6 and six at this point last year, and this year we're 10-3. and three. So, yes, Kevin and I sit here and we talk about the holes and the issues we have because that's kind of what our job is here, right? To nitpick, to not just talk about all the good stuff. But let's not forget. Let's take a step back. The Buffalo Bills are 10-3. and three. They are a damn good team, but they do have some things that need to be resolved if they want to go to the Super Bowl. Because... That is what this season is about, right? It's Super Bowl or bust. So we want perfection. We have not seen it yet, although we've seen flashes of it. I would like to see a big step up this week that transitions us perfectly into the game against the Miami Dolphins. Kev, what are the keys to the game this week against the Dolphins? What do the Bills need to do? Yeah, I think we need to protect for Allen. You know, it's been a string throughout the year we basically lost games because of lack of protection. And even games where you thought maybe we should blow out teams, it's been a lack of protection. Our O-line has been average at best. And I would like to see them round into form going into the playoffs. We've been better running the ball of late. Not so much against the Jets. They do have a really strong defensive line. But I would like to see us continue to run the ball well and be able to protect for Allen when he's throwing down the field. Because, you know, we haven't done a great job of relying on the quick passing game. I think we're going to need to do more of that this week as Miami tends to send all-out blitzes. So 
Dorsey is going to have to dial up a lot of quick plays, which he did start to do at the end of the first half against the Jets and moving into the second half. I thought Dorsey did a really nice job, and we're going to need to see more of that this week. And on the defensive side, pressure to uh, get to him like we did last time and don't allow the deep ball. We got Poyer playing. We got Trey White back. I would like to see Dane Jackson play less because I think they're going to pick him apart. But prevent the deep pass. Make Tua beat you on those, you know, more shallow routes. And as always, stop the run, which Miami doesn't have a very good run game. I don't think we're going to have any issues there. But yeah, I mean, we've had problems covering Tyreek Hill in the past. Get Trey White on Tyreek Hill. Double team him if you need. And uh, make someone else beat you. Well said. I have absolutely nothing to add to that. That is exactly what the Bills need to do to win this game. I think they're facing a good opponent. The Dolphins are sliding a little here. So we do have some breathing room. If the worst case scenario were to happen, which would be a loss, we still hold on to the division lead. Not saying that's going to happen. I think the Buffalo Bills are winning this game. But I don't think they're winning it handedly. But I also think, just look at the Chargers and look how they shut them down. Don't let any of those big plays happen. They let one play against Hill, but that was it. They locked it down. Hill was a little hurt, but they locked him down. And if you're watching on video, Kevin is not wearing a, well now, Washington football team jersey. Although it might look like it. It's actually a Boston College jersey, and it's a Doug Flutie jersey. We love Doug here. Can't say enough good things about him. We've actually met Doug Flutie. I digress. But the Buffalo Bills are going to squish the fish this week. And as always, we will end by saying, Go Go Bills! You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.